Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. If it's Sunday, that means it's time to jump. Not jump anywhere, but jump into the rotation. Hit the music. Uh, thank yes. you. Uh, thank you. I did that well. I did that thank well. You know, that's fantastic. Well, Carlos is on a learning curve right now. He's way over on the top right now when coming straight down. So which is good, which is almost the exact same uh, course his uh, RSO is taking right now, we believe, as well. So I'm going down, yeah. That's good. Well, it's, it's the other side of the bank. You know, it just has to happen eventually. But my name is Gary Stein. I'm the political director of Suncoast Normal here in Florida and our master of public health. And right below me, and still coming down from this morning's breakfast, is Carlos Ermida, our deputy director and engineer superior. Where am I right now? Uh oh. <laughs> what happened? I didn't hear you. You said something to me. Yeah, I said, "Where's your? Where's the sound effect for you?" Oh, I did it. I I did the. Oh, there it is. And to my and to my right, your left, I think, or maybe the other way around. Uh, is our executive director coming to us from above the beltway or hits him below the beltway? <laughs> our executive director, Christopher Kano. And <laughs> he's also our master of public administration. I forgot to mention that Carlos, along with his engineer's degree, is also our master of business administration. And we are the masters of cannabis. And that that one just doesn't work. <laughs> I should and, just I, I I need new sound effects already. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I got so I want to get creative, and I I just happen to have a sativa on board. I managed to come up with some, some amazing things when I'm sativating. That's that's that term you actually use when you're actually using a sativa and you're becoming creative. So use that in your lexicon, and I'll take credit for it. Uh, so. One of those things, one of those things about salivating is you have to write things down because you might just forget them afterwards. But the name of this guy's new organization had to have come from total salivation. <laughs> now, in the lower right hand corner here in our secret square is the former political director of the National Normal and now the founder and, and creator of the Bowl Pack, as in political action committee. I love that name. I love that name. You got to get, you have to tell us the genesis of it. Justin Streckel. Justin, how are you doing this Sunday? Gary, I'm, I'm doing great. And thank you so very much. I'm, you know, it's, it's been too long since we talked and I'm really excited to, to be reconnecting and talking about things. Um, so Bullpack, you know, I, I learned many, many, many things while during my time at normal. Um, and, and one of which is the power of a good acronym. 
And, you know, as, as I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do in my next steps, uh, you know, I, I want to I wanna win, right? I want to win legalization. And I got a little stoned one night hanging out with my wife and, and we were just kind of brainstorming ideas and, you know, better organizing to win legalization. It's bull. It's and, and uh, you know, one of the things I've been wanting, I've been chomping at the bit to do is play more directly in electoral politics and, and make politicians afraid again. Make them afraid of their voters, make them afraid of the political power that, that comes with the issue of marijuana legalization. So that that's how I'm, I'm staying in the federal game right now and uh, ready to talk to you about everything that's going on. I like that concept. I didn't realize that that was their main motivation was fear. Although I got to tell you that when we were first getting started with all this over in Tallahassee, it, we could easily get one of the legislators to run from us as we were heading towards them because they knew exactly what the topic was. Little Kathy Jordan in, in her wheelchair <clears throat> who had ALS, who was working as, as an advocate, when they saw her coming, they ran. They literally ran away because they did not want to approach the topic at all. And I thought it was just special interests, but it's special interests and fear. So I, I worked on political campaigns for about 10 years before moving to Washington, D.C. and getting engaged in advocacy there. And you know, nothing will motivate a politician more than the prospect of increasing their likelihood of success to win re-election. Nothing will. And that's why the, the entrenched power structures that make it so easy for them to sit back, you know, just dial for dollars for donors, and then they just run paid comms, that's one thing. In, in the marijuana space, you know, now, and, and I'm, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. I have not been following all the things in Florida as of recent. But, you know, it, it's it's the money talks and and here we still have people power um, that, you know, the numbers are with us. So apathy is what has kept that many politicians. They don't really care. They just think, oh, change is hard. And why why move away from the status quo? If the status quo is what got me elected, if under the status quo, I achieved this power. So we need to flip that mentality. And that means we need to kick somebody's ass. Well, we have a governor who is a, a magician. He's a master of distraction because that is how magic works. If you can have somebody looking at your right hand while your left hand is grabbing somebody else's wallet, you've won. And that is exactly what he's doing right now with, with this transportation of Venezuelans and Colombians this last week. Anything to divert from the, the real issues we're supposed to be looking at is by creating a, a problem, solving it with a terrible solution and having everybody focus on that while other things are happening, like for instance, we just got a cap on medical cannabis, which Chris can go into a little bit more, more detail. But the fact is they are actually doing things that they promised they wouldn't do in legislation. They did it as an emergency rule when our backs were turned, essentially. Yeah. And that, that is how things work. And I see, we see that across the country too. They, 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 they grab hold of these culture war issues that really are not the main issues that we're worried about or concerned about, like the economy and things of that sort, because they don't have a policy for that. So they have to go ahead and, and, and work on something that will just distract them and get their, their, their base who are basically are Pavlovian in their responses. Um, what, who, who's the Congresswoman that we spoke to from Washington, DC, uh, Nancy uh, Mace? Uh, I think Eleanor. Eleanor, oh, Eleanor Norton. Norton. 
Okay, yeah. so so Justin, we we talked to this this lady, and uh, we she she really got me on the kick that uh, uh, cannabis reform is not a, a political party thing. You know what I mean? That it's uh, because she claims that she's ready to legalize cannabis in, in Washington D.C. and have this like great system where like le- marijuana is being sold and everything like that. And her biggest opponent is is Biden, uh, not allowing it. So, um, but then here, I, I mean, I, I'm reminded of something I saw on Facebook where there was like this guy that had like a Trump shirt and like a weed leaf and was like, Republicans, you know, supporting cannabis transcends party lines, things like that. But I got to tell you, like the shit that DeSantis puts us through really doesn't seem like you can be conservative and support cannabis and support cannabis reform in total. It seems like you could be conservative and support corporate cannabis, (laughs) but it doesn't seem that you can support full legalization, you know, support decriminalization, support uh, the cannabis industry, you know, and I just want to see if you, if you have any, like this cognitive dissonance that is incredible to me. If you have any info, any 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 way that we can like combat this, sir. Yeah. <laughs> no, Car- Carlos, you, ra- you, you raised such an important point that I think, not just in in marijuana policy reform, but every single aspect of American public policy and society and culture is grappling with right now. Like, you know, cognitive dissonance is not isolated to the Republican Party, right? It is not in any way, shape, or form. But I remember when when now Governor DeSantis was a member of Congress, and I was talking to my counterpart at the Marijuana Policy Project at the time, Don Young, uh, who himself, a former Republican state lawmaker in Maryland, and, and him and I, we would always be, you know, dividing and conquering and talking about our targets and I'm more effective in Democratic offices, and he's more effective going after Republicans. And and then Congressman DeSantis voted for our appropriations amendments when it came to restricting the Department of Justice from spending tax dollars to go against either medical programs or adult use programs, if I remember correctly, in 2015. Um, I should double check my math on it, but I'm, I'm like 90% sure he voted for that DOJ amendment. Um, and and he made comments, you know, I remember he referred to, if, if correct me if I'm wrong here, but like he referred to the existing medical structure as like a cartel system. Yeah. I believe he used the term cartel, right? I remember. So, but then he got elected and yeah. then those companies gave him and his, his, his allies quite a bit of resources, aka money, and and they spent and with that money got them access and with that access, they befriended them. And with that befriending, they then just adopted the worldview that, oh, no, it's okay that we have a crony oligopic uh, system that that, restri- that prevents people from getting into the market and keeps it into just this established small pool of owners. Um, that happens all over America and everything. And, and, you know, I don't, I think one of my biggest <clears throat> frustrations about talking about the economy of capitalist, or I'm sorry, of cannabis, is that cannabis cannot escape both the best and the worst instincts of American style capitalism. <laughs> and and we have <clears throat> we have some of the most innovative motherfuckers, excuse my language, um, 
innovative fellow citizens in the world who could do all kinds of amazing things if they have an opportunity. But we also see those who have more resources trying to prevent them the opportunity to uh, be in competition with them. Um, or they immediately hoover them all up through mergers and acquisitions um, and, and just buy them out, right? And, and hey, some entrepreneurs, they want to build a business, they want to sell it, they want to cash out, more power to them if that's their thing, but that's a whole other conversation. So, you know, the, these, these things are very challenging, but to Eleanor Holmes Norton's point, uh, the congresswoman, she is one of the most tenacious, tenacious individuals. I bet you guys had a pretty good conversation about D.C. statehood. I hope that whoever heard about it, if they hadn't heard about D.C. statehood or they had not already been supportive, I hope they are now. As she, a former resident of the district, they, I, I was denied voting rights and representation. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It, Biden's the problem when it comes to Congress passed a budget that would have allowed D.C. or was ready to pass a budget that, that would have allowed D.C. the right to self-determination and setting up legal shops, and it was Biden who stopped Wow. Well, I remember the conversation with, with Eleanor Norton, Holmes Norton, uh, was like super like short. Like she was just basically like, what else do you want me to tell you? Biden's in the way. We got to get Biden out of the way. <laughs> like <laughs> I remember her being very no nonsense. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, so so here's and I know that we're we're like Gary really wants to talk to you about like what's happening nationally. But like here's here with what's happening in our state, we literally have people in the cannabis movement voting for DeSantis, thinking he's going to legalize it, right? And then he puts caps on top of it. He says that he can't legalize because of the putrid order. He says that cannabis companies should be paying more in Florida when they're paying outrageous amounts. Um, you know, like it, it, it just seems like this guy's saying one thing and yet people just think another. Like, I, I, I don't know uh, what we can do with the bull pack or whatever to, to combat this type of thing, but like that's, it just worries me, man. So, so to that end, right now with Bullpack, I'm I'm only focusing on on federal races, uh, but you know I have I have worked with with Rep. Chris over the years, and I suppose well, throwing him uh, an endorsement and, and elevating. But what you guys I, need, you, I you need votes in you know that there, There's similar and, things going from a federal level, yeah. and I'll show. Oh yeah, 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 one hundred percent right, and and that's you know one one of the things. You know, maybe I'll maybe maybe this will be a good tie-in here to to transition to federal from Florida. Is when you talk about Ron DeSantis, and I I, I actively disrespect uh, Governor DeSantis, right? Like I think he is a bad person. That is not exclusive to cannabis. I I think he has been disingenuous when it comes to cannabis. I think he's abhorrent when it comes to a lot of other things. Um, so I, I I don't you know I hope that the the voting block within the cannabis reform community who's choosing to to cast their votes for ron desantis because of that while not looking at the totality of of statecraft and governance and leadership uh i i'm hard pressed to imagine that's a very large voting block um i just i'm willing to bet dollars and donuts that they're pretty loud about it right and the question is, is how can you be loud about it in in, in countervalence and, and I think that's not just, you know, if, if you're a single issue voter, you know, and, and cannabis is it, then Charlie Chris is your candidate. 
right? Go governor Christ had, or former governor, current congressman, Charlie Christ, has evolved dramatically on it. And I think, you know, having had experience working with his office, he does it in much better faith than Ron DeSantis ever did, even when Ron DeSantis was voting for our amendments in Congress, right? But like, uh, you know, Cory Gardner, former senator from Colorado, was up for re-election in 2018. He was heralded as, you know, here is a Republican who's willing to take leadership on marijuana policy reform. He was a co-lead of the Safe Banking Act in the Senate. And he, he was a co-lead under Senator Elizabeth Warren, introducing the strengthening the 10th Amendment through interesting states or the States Act, which would have codified some criminal protections for cannabis entrepreneurs but, and, 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 and industry owners, but did nothing on the civil liberties side of things um, to, to provide protections for people and from state violence for, for simple possession. So that's a whole different story, but neither here nor there. Um, but Cory Gardner in 2018, he was polling heavily underwater for his reelection. And, and when, you know, throughout the course of his last year, he talked to his Republican colleagues all of the time about the Safe Banking Act and the States Act. And then he lost, right? I joke, if Jesus Christ had his second coming to Colorado and knocked on every single door saying, I personally endorse Cory Gardner, Cory Gardner still would not have been reelected given how badly Donald Trump was weighing down his approval ratings in, in the state of Colorado, right? But now we have all of these Republican senators who are of the mentality that marijuana didn't save Cory, right? And we saw the cannabis industry invest a tremendous amount of resources behind him for his reelection. And now he's being handsomely paid as, 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 as an advisor for a trade association. And I'm sure he's making money in, through consulting and, and advice and advising, however else he's doing it. But he didn't deliver the goods and the, the zeitgeist he left in the Senate was marijuana didn't save Cory. So why should we take action on this? What's the political incentive here? And, you know, that that's, we got to break that both from state level folks when it comes to, you know, what's the incentive to not vote for caps? What's the incentive to not, or to vote to allow competition to these existing companies who I've met their people. They've given me money. We met at my fundraiser. They seem perfectly nice. They made a joke. He showed me pictures of his kids, whatever. Why, why would I vote against them? I'm not, I, I don't feel a pressure to do something to the alternative. And that, that's what, that's our collective action issue. Now, one, one thing I thought was kind of interesting is that uh, Mitch McConnell, who's never been a pro-cannabis person, uh, obviously was integral in getting the, uh, the, the Farm Act moving forward that actually legalized that industry without realizing, I think, that the amount of regulation and, and harsh laws across the country would spurn a whole new industry out of the hemp industry that actually includes the, uh, the Delta 9 from hemp as, as along with the uh, Delta 8 and the THCO, THCP, THC, you know what, that, uh, that has been integral to the to livelihoods of, of folks like Carlos, who has a cannabis shop, who obviously cannot sell the, uh, the, the standard cannabis right now, but all these new isotopes coming out from hemp has actually created a whole new uh, cannabis industry through the hemp industry. And do you see any buyer's remorse on that side? 
you know, I wouldn't say I see any buyer's remorse. I think I just, uh, you know, from the 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 limited vibes I've got, let me put it this way, because it's not like Mitch McConnell staffers return my phone call when, when I make it. <laughs> and it's not like I attempt to make it that often, right? Um, you know, candidly, I've, I've reached out a number of times over the years. There was one follow-up. Um, but just as a, as, a, as, a, as a side little cheeky thing, I should disclose, when I used to do trivia in Washington, D.C., there have been a handful of times I named my trivia team. Mitch McConnell loves seeing poor black kids get arrested for a joint. So that way the trivia announcer would have to say it every single round and, and really hoping that that message would resonate and hoping Mitch McConnell staffers were in the bar at the time. Um, you know, hey, we got we to meet them where they are, right? Uh, but with, with Mitch McConnell, like, with, with the adverse consequences of, of uh, that, or the unintended consequences, let's say, um, I think if nothing, it's not buyer's remorse. It's just that much more of a disincentive to evolve on, on, uh, full cannabis reform, right? Because they didn't take it into consideration. Mitch McConnell had been worn down over the years by Senator Ron Wyden of, and, and, and a few other senators who really engaged on hemp in good faith. Um, a tremendous number of farmers in Kentucky pushed hard and they organized political power and they pushed him. And it seemed like a non-threatening thing that then turned into a threat. So why would he ever go the next step? And that's why I think one of the worst things for the cannabis reform movement that could happen in the upcoming election is, is not any particular senator, right? But it's who is going to be the Senate majority leader, who are going to be the committee chairs, and, and that's determined by partisan orientation. And the contrast between Mitch McConnell and, and Chuck Schumer couldn't be starker. And then, you know, you have this internal war between McConnell and Senator Rick Scott from Florida. So, uh, and Rick Scott could not, the sad part is, is like, who could be worse than McConnell? Rick Scott. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. that—that's that's the even the sadder part about it is like should Republicans take back the Senate and McConnell lose his leadership position, he'll be replaced by someone much much worse. And it's like you didn't think it could get any worse. I mean, you just talked a little bit about what you know when you say you changed the name uh, uh, on trivia night to Mitch McConnell likes to see black kids go to jail for joints. Well, you know, one of the things that really struck me when I was reading this week was um, the data from the a Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology that showed that um, uh, African Americans are disproportionately drug tested for marijuana uh, while they're giving uh, birth. And that most folks who underwent drug screens tested negative, but those who did test positive for cannabis, 90% of them were mandatorily reported to child abuse services. And so, you know, coming off of what we're seeing the legislation in New York and California where cannabis use should be treated no different than prescription drug use, that's something we have to change here in Florida is child welfare laws. I mean, we're seeing women right now in Alabama who are using cannabis during the pregnancy being jailed for up to 30 years. And that is the society that that these hard on crime Republicans want to create. This is this is the consequences of their policies. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that. I'm, I'm so glad you bring that up. And I'm so glad that you're talking about it because it's one of those things that don't get talked about enough. Uh, we had Keith Stroop on a couple of weeks ago and he, he made a, a big point of it as being something that normal is, is, is pushing. And we we agree 100 percent. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, and and that and and the the National Association for the Rights of Pregnant Women. I'm butchering the acronym. That's not the correct name. 
Oh, forgive me. Uh, Julie Gunnigal, who is a is a member of the leadership team in Arizona Normal, um, and she is a candidate for county prosecutor right now. <clears throat> she she did some work with a national pregnancy rights uh, advocacy group a couple of years ago where they were taking up cases like this. And, I, I, and if I'm not mistaken, that's probably what Keith was referring to as like the, the biggest accomplishment as of late, um, as far as you know, trying to restore these kind of, of rights. I mean, I just saw the Marshall Project just published another piece about pregnant women in, in Alabama uh, just being arrested. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it's, there's the downstream implications of criminalization and the systemic oppression that it brings is, is so ingrained. Well, you know, one of the things that really upset me, though, was the U.S. Appeals Court um, recently ruled that although Schedule 1, uh, you know, it, it has this where, you know, cannabis doesn't have any accepted medical um, utility, uh, it says, you know, that, that you know, and, and that's what the, the suit against it, the folks who were suing, was saying it's unconstitutional. It does have medical value. People do use it. And the court ruled, well, it's not unconstitutional, but it is irrational. So basically saying, you know, yeah, Congress fucked up, but we're not going to do anything to change it. I mean, that's just mind boggling is that the courts are in this this position to where everything is in Congress's court. And you yourself, this is your mission to, to get a pro cannabis Congress to get their shit together. Justin, what do we do? How do we how do we support your mission? And, and what's the next step for us? No, <laughs> irrational, but not unconstitutional should be my next tattoo. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I highly recommend everybody read Paul Armentano of Normal's write-up about that, that, that case. It sounds like you already did. Um, so, so in order to get a pro-cannabis Congress, we've already demonstrated we have the capacity in the House of Representatives if we maintain its current structure, right? Under Democratic leadership with Jerry Nadler as the Judiciary Committee Chair, he was the one, uh, along with, and, and, and he could not have done it without, Representative Earl Blumenauer, Representative Barbara Lee, uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Representative Steve Cohen, and, and, and a laundry list of others. But like those were the biggest that they, they went above and beyond to, to make sure that that bill got not voted on, not just once, but twice in the last two years. It was the first bill to end prohibition to ever, ever get a vote in Congress, and they passed it twice. We know that's not going to happen if Kevin McCarthy takes over as the Speaker of the House of Representatives. They're not going to pass a bill uh, proactively. But my focus has been the United States Senate. <clears throat> and due to the, the, uh, due to the legislative filibuster, we need to make sure that Republicans are, will, are, are, are coming to the table in something that's close enough to good faith as possible, right? I'm not going to expect good faith, but but I want it to be an earnest reckoning. And the way that we do that is we demonstrate that not evolving on marijuana reform can cost you your election. So right now, the bull pack, the bull, B-O-W-L-P-A-C.org, um, you can make a contribution where I'm, I'm running this lean and mean. I'm not collecting a, a check for my work for bull pack. Um, this, is, this is my pro bono volunteer work now. Uh, we are trying to put together a digital outreach campaign where we are going to reach pro-legalization voters in states where it's going to be a razor-thin election. We're principally looking at Wisconsin right now. We're considering what other states to expand to, possibly North Carolina, possibly Ohio, possibly Pennsylvania. We'll see. Hey, look, if Florida, if y'all start showing me some polls where it's neck and neck, 
Val Demings voted for the Moore Act both times and, 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 and in committee as a member of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, so I, I would love to be able to say that I thought Val Demings had a really good shot. And I'm willing to say that if more of your fellow Floridians start telling pollsters that they're going to vote for her, right? And, and I, I, I can't expect marijuana to swing five points of an election. But I think in these razor thin states, if we can show that we're going to be targeting voters with messages that say that who we've identified that likely maybe not vote, have a lower voting score, and, but who support legalization, we say, look, marijuana reform is on the ballot in the form of your Senate race. You know, Ron Johnson supports criminalization. Man Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes supports legalization. Mandela Barnes was working with your colleague from normal or former colleague now, uh, Allen up in, up in Wisconsin, doing events, talking about the real issues. Mandela Barnes is a legalization champion. Ron Johnson is an oppressor. And, and if we can show that we help turn out people to vote who might not otherwise have voted, then I can then run around Congress for the next two years and say, we can kick your ass now. We are a part of the ass kicking team. And if you don't want your ass kicked, then you got to come to the table and you got to work And Chuck Schumer and Cory Booker and Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley and, and all these other senators who have been, who have given a tremendous amount of thought and consideration about marijuana reform and all approach it very different ways. They would love to have five Republicans sit down with them for a day, for two days, for three days, and just talk it out. Just talk it out. They say, hey, this is what we know. What do you know? What are you willing, based on what we know, we want these things. What are, what are you willing to accept, right? Steve Daines should be Republican senator, lead on safe banking. He should be had with at his back five of his fellow Republicans to do that kind of a thing. But right now he cannot get them because they do not feel like this is something they need to prioritize. And we got to change the way they feel about it. Right now, Val Demings and Marco Rubio are in that less than a half of a standard deviation away from each other. So they're in the margin of error. As to are they really? Oh, forgive me. Yeah, no, Gary, give me give me a briefing if you don't mind. What what's going on? Can you just like give me the overview? I haven't looked at the race in a while. Yeah, it is. It's been going back and forth again. It's all within the, within the margin of error. That whether it's uh, Val Demings who's ahead of the poll, whether it's Quinnipiac or the UF poll, and or whether it's Marco Rubio who who, who is still uh, lauding all of South Florida, who tends to want to just go ahead and just go straight with Republican without even looking at the lever to see which one they're actually pushing. And we know that Marco Rubio's policies are egregious in, in a lot of aspects. I see a lot of people who are not single issue voters still saying no to him and saying yes to Val Demings, but we need that that little push to get, get her beyond that beyond that that sway of the uh, standard deviation to get to get her forward. And of course, we had Max Frost on last week, uh, who's who, yeah. who beat some really big guys, uh, including the, the the head of the uh, minority party in the Senate here, to get that position. The question is, now that he's gotten to the generals, will he continue to get enough to make certain that that seat is still safe? That is that is my concern because he because he is young, mm -hmm. and because he doesn't have the name recognition unless everybody watches MSNBC and sees him on there. 
that uh, other other folks had. I mean, Alan Grayson, <clears throat> his boots offend me. That's besides the point. <laughs> the gator skins? Yeah, you've seen those suckers, huh? Oh, yeah. He, he would walk around the hill with his gator skins and his American flag tie on. And uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I, you triggered me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but what about, what about Grayson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gray, Grayson, he had enough problems with uh, beating up one or two wives. And uh, so so he didn't quite make it back. He, he, he fell way, way behind. But I really love Bracey, who was very, very pro cannabis, who had, who had actually had sponsored several legalization bills here in Florida, would have made it. But Max is uh, Max is going to have to to do some heavy lifting. I know he's going to do it mostly in, in regards to the gun reform bills, but we have issues with, with that here in Florida as well, because we have a lot of guys who are for, uh, Second Amendment uh, heroes who don't even, who still don't even understand the Second Amendment in the first place. But that that is so typical of that that, that genre. I don't know what yeah. it is, but I agree with it. <laughs> no, you know I the the if if I can just share a quick uh, story. So when in 2015, when I was working in the Virginia State Senate for Adam Eben, the, the state senator Adam Eben, who I also helped write his decriminalization bill, that's how I got to know normal. Um, uh, on gun lobby day, he was carrying the assault weapons ban. And I printed out the second amendment, I highlighted in a well-regulated militia, the first few words of the amendment. And everyone who walked in, I just asked, just so I can best relay your comments to the senator, can you tell me what what regulated militias are you a member of? Are you National Guard? Do you have like an organized like block club? These things I don't know. Um, but but in Florida, I mean, look what Nikki Freed has done, the the ad commissioner to to change this conversation with her federal lawsuit, and I am here for it. You know, I I am my my views on guns are very complicated, and I think maybe one other person in America would agree with me, um, and I think that's how it is for most people, right? Like everyone's own perspective is very nuanced, but we distill it down to like five word talking points, and everything gets lost. Um, but you know, Nikki Freed being able to frame it and how she lost the support of her <clears throat> gun control uh, community when she first brought on this lawsuit and then they took a few days, they looked at what she was trying to accomplish. And then they, then they said, Oh no, wait, we were wrong. <laughs> like we're back on We're back on the, the Nikki train. Right. Too late. Um, and, and it's too late now. She lost the primary, but like, you know, I think she has done a tremendous service when, when it comes to uh, maturing marijuana and guns as a, as a connected issue in Washington, DC from her suit from Florida. And, and I gotta say, as as someone who has real trepidation about you know gun access in this country, I think it's great what she's been doing, and uh, hopefully, 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 that kind of an approach will maybe lead some people who you know reflexively vote on guns to reconsider a Democrat and 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 listen to beyond just five words because of the work she did on the cannabis suit. If I had to wrap my mind around what was the best way for that primary to end, uh, we we love Nikki and she was she's been on the show uh, and uh, as has Charlie Crist, and I was concerned maybe she'd be able to do more outside of the governor's mansion than in inside of it, and since Charlie Crist may have a a statistical advantage to getting into that office, which would be a tremendous benefit to us to not have uh, a Rick Scott clone 
or Ron DeSantis in the office, both of which you know did were devastating to the program itself, and be able to do the kind of organizing that she's doing, and she is starting a political action committee, from what I understand, and uh, she could actually move these these things forward from the outside in an organizational fashion, maybe possibly more more so as as a grassroots than uh, than being in the governor's office, or or hypo just through, as we're postulating possibilities, you know, hypothetically, you you know, if if Charlie Chris wins the seat, perhaps there's an agency head role or something that would be a terrific because you know I I came up with this line while thinking about my my friend uh, Shalene Title. Now is the time for heroic bureaucrats, right? Now is the time we desperately need thoughtful and well-organized and effective administrators in these roles of government to construct something that we can be proud of as a society, right? And and you, I, I make fun of Florida all the time when it comes to how awful your licensing structure is. I use you juxtaposed against Oklahoma and Oregon, right? And I'm like, look, here are the two extremes, right? Some people say Oklahoma and Oregon gave out too many licenses. I'm not going to say that giving too many entrepreneurs a, a shot is, is a bad thing. But then you look at Florida, <laughs> and it's a dozen and a half owners. And g give me the updated count. How many licensed businesses now of the force vertical integration do you now have? 22. Have 22 licenses. Oh, my talking point is outdated. I've been saying a dozen and a half, so I got to up less than two dozen. Well, you're, um, you're actually not wrong. Yeah. Uh, we have 22 licenses, but only 15 of them, actually 16 now, are actually active because Cookies and uh, and Jungle Boys are, are, are finally starting to wake up, in part because I wrote a bill last <clears throat> session that actually went through as an amendment saying that if you don't cultivate to scale within the two years after you get your license, you lose it, and it goes back to the state. Whoa, and 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 with the help of uh, of Senator Brandis, we got that passed, and that kind of told them that we can't sit on our licenses anymore. We actually have to go out there and start doing things. And I think Jungle Boys and and that they've they've raised the bar for a lot of folks. Yeah, and and we'll see how well that that thing goes forward. But that is where we stand right now. And there was supposed to be the uh, the sole sole uh, social equity pro, uh, license, the Pigford license which the applications went out in March and they have still not done any more than uh, basically um, vetting the, uh, the applicants. They haven't really started scoring the, the applications yet. There's you know, still it, yet. Gary and Justin, if you're looking at the screen right now, I'm actually sharing. Uh, these are the MMTCs in Florida that are actually, uh, you know, as you can see where they are with how many locations each one has. Uh, whether or not they're actually dispensing right now, you know, do they have plants? Are they are they moving? Um, I know Gold Leaf is is uh, up here in the Maryland area, and now they're expanded into Florida. So you know, it's it's interesting to see these multi-state operators. But of course, you see the granddaddy of them all uh, up here at the top, uh, you know, continuing to push. And then you see these other, you know, the the big three, if you will, here is you know the top five. Uh, I don't even remember who was who was the original five anymore, uh, with the exception of of, of these two up here, so. Yeah, <clears throat> and don't forget every single election, every single license that was given out so far was originally given out for a CBD only uh, MMTC. There has never been a license actually given out directly by application for a, uh, a, a THC license. Not a single one of them. They were, 
they were either given to them by the courts because they lost and, and they, they because they screwed up or they have been uh, through the merger and acquisition and what i understand now the money for for mnas right now is way the hell down so being able to get the money you need for these mnas has been difficult so what we're seeing now instead is is mergers as, as being more like you know giant amoeba fights to see who's going to swallow who first. And Gary, and let's not forget to point out that the uh, state almost tripled the licensing fee for black farmers versus the original uh, licensing fee uh, for these MMTCs. That's right. And they said they were not going to actually release the applications for the other uh, MMTCs until such time that the Pigford license has been awarded. How can you so not make fun of Florida? Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. I, I heard you say that you were making fun of us. And like, part of me was like, what the fuck, man? But like, <laughs> well, as, we as suck, an Ohioan, we suck as, so bad. <laughs> as an Ohioan, I feel you, right? Like, and, 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 and I ask people all the time, or I remind people all the time, like, look, I am not the governor of Ohio, right? I, I, I just live here. Um, but no, yeah, just specifically for like the licensing structures. Oh my goodness. What? what a juxtaposition it is when, when you have literally thousands of companies licensed in Oklahoma alone, right? And it's not like Oklahoma is this bastion of, of, of big government liberalism, right? Like, no, that's Florida. Florida is the one that, that's being restrictive and, and picking winners and losers. And sadly, Florida is not run by liberals. It is, it is run by the, the most conservative of conservatives. Yeah. So. Sometimes it does feel like supporting the uh, cannabis program here in Florida is like being a big fan of the Browns. Everybody oh. feels bad for you after a while. Oh, I, I, I can't even be a big fan of the Browns anymore after what the owners just did. I don't know if you heard about our quarterback situation, but I really don't like spending a quarter of a billion dollars on, on a PR nightmare that offends everyone. We have Tom Brady. That, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> oh yeah. You you guys actually do know exactly are very similarly what we're talking about here in Cleveland. Shit, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. But no, I, I will say thank you to Florida. I, I met my wife when I was working on a campaign down in Florida uh, ten years ago now. So so Florida will always be fond in my heart, if if only for only that reason. So are you going to be supporting strictly Senate candidates? Or are you going to keep an eye on, on the House candidates? Because there are some, actually some good candidates I would like to see move forward. Uh, we had Nancy Mace on. I was really yeah. impressed with the States, uh, States yeah. Rights Act. Yeah. Interesting uh, acronym there as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Reform Act. Yeah, States Reform oh. Act, which, which sounds like a Federalist bill, doesn't it? And I, I think that's why it, it, it does garner some support, although she gets some flack from her own uh, party as well. But I found it to be a balanced bill that, that, that could get some bipartisan support. Mm -hmm. And uh, where, where do you see that going? So I, I see it going nowhere this year simply because the House has already passed a bill to end prohibition. And it includes it, it's, 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 it's the chairman's bill, right, of Judiciary Committee. It, it includes the provisions from the chairwoman of the Small Business Committee, Nadia Velezquez, who did some really... In, in, in my view, terrific work. And, and I, I was part of that process advising it as well as uh, then sh then president of MCBA, Shanita Penny. So I don't see it getting any consideration this year, right? Like the House already addressed it. Now it's the, the ball's in the Senate's court. 
but next year, should Republicans take over the House of Representatives? And it, when I look at the bills that have been introduced by Republicans, and I think which one would be my favorite, <laughs> which one would I most like to see come to law, it's it's the state's reform act, hands down. I I am deeply appreciative of Representative Mace and her allies, including groups that I historic I used to fight against in my previous job, right? Americans for Prosperity. Um, you know, back when I worked on tax policy, there was nobody who was more opposite than me than Americans for Prosperity. And now here we are working in tandem uh, in, in, in support of the States Reform Act because it addresses things like expungement. It addresses things like support for through through federal programs that are that are designed to specifically support local entrepreneurs getting into the space because she included provisions from Chairwoman Velasquez's. Uh, SBA proposals, right? Um, you know, no bill is perfect. The Moore Act is far from perfect, and, and as is the States Reform Act. But the States Reform Act is the closest to perfect ever introduced by a Republican, and and I and I hope to see more of her colleagues in the Republican caucus get on that bill because as of right now, it only has four co-sponsors. And Representative Dave Joyce, who who similarly introduced a bill that would be scheduled, but it doesn't address. The, uh, addressing criminal records, and it does not address providing support for small businesses. Um, that has, if I'm not mistaken, nine co-sponsors, but I'm going to double check this real quick just because I want to be right about this. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Representative Mace has a long way to go. I was glad to see that she prevailed in, in her Republican primary. Uh, we'll see if, you know, I, I, I suspect she'll likely be reelected uh, in the general. But no, I mean, she's a great example of a Republican who's evolved on this issue, or not not who has evolved. She has always been a supporter, but she represents someone who can help usher in evolution of her colleagues, and we need to arm her with the receipts. I, as an ally of hers, despite on a different part of the ideological spectrum, need to arm her with the receipts saying, hey, Republican colleagues, if you don't evolve on this issue, they're going to come after you. And I, I have a lifeboat for you. Look at my state's reform act. Come work with me, right? That's that's the way I can be a good ally to her, despite being on the other end of the ideological spectrum more broadly. I see her as the Dana Rohrbacher without all the egregious stuff that he also agreed on. I, 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 I don't want to go down a tit for tat road. The egregious, the egregious off there. Um, you know, I appreciate working with Rep Rohrbacher on a lot of issues, but he, he had a lot of perspectives that I did not share. As does Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace has a lot of views that, that I don't share, but on cannabis, on this issue, we should work together. And on this issue, I hope she brings in uh, more of her Republican colleagues. Well, we're, we're hoping that uh, <coughs> candidates <coughs> like John Fetterman will, will, will tip the scales in there. And I'm actually hoping that Herschel Walker will also tip the uh, scales uh, in in that state because he is totally, I, I wouldn't say unqualified, but he is a poster child for TPI. And I, I can see the, him, him actually pushing the Democratic candidate forward. Well, you know, Gary, I would not, um, I would not count your chickens before they hatch because as we have seen that the, the base in the South uh, among conservatives can astoundingly put an absolute unqualified person in office, um, you know, as we can, we've seen multiple times, whether it's uh, Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, uh, Ron DeSantis, or even Donald Trump. So, you know, uh, don't be shocked if, uh, if, if, you know, 
I don't think Georgians are in that spot. I think uh, there's going to be other things to consider in that race, especially Stacey Abrams, uh, you know, kicking uh, uh, Governor Kemp's ass in the debates and lighting up her party on fire. And she's done a lot with voter outreach registration. So, but yeah, Herschel Walker um, is a symptom actually of what, you know, the Southern conservative think is a good candidate. You know, and, and, and you know, and, and, and a former MMA fighter who beats the shit out of reporters and ex-wives and denies that he even has uh, certain kids and side babies is is the epitome of what they think is the ideal person to put in the U.S. Senate. What do you want me to say? Yeah, I love the fact that he said he actually had a kid who was illegitimate. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, he said, said he had a kid who was what? It's not easy to pronounce either, but uh, he said that, yeah, yeah, he realizes he has a kid that's illegitimate. All right. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I really hope uh, Sarah Warnock pulls out. I've, 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 uh, I had the good privilege of briefly meeting him once before he became senator and, and working with his staff uh, in, in my last year at Normal. They were trying to, to really engage on Safe Banking Act conversations to, you know, to find ways to make sure that there would be access to capital for minority entrepreneurs. Um, because they had concerns about the existing package and, and just how there was no protections, and then all of a sudden, all these industry people are saying, "Oh, this is good for this is good for social equity applicants. Oh, this is good for Black entrepreneurs." And we looked at the bill, and there was nothing for any of that, right? Uh, so the the industry kind of moved the goalposts in its rhetoric, and Reverend Warnock was like, "Okay, well, if you're moving the goalposts, let's let's move it. Yeah, let's that's a good direction. Let's go." Um, I know he's been talking with. Um, Sarah Booker and, and and others about that kind of stuff. I don't know. Th th these are crazy times, and and I I'm so deeply appreciative for the opportunity to come talk with you guys and, and what all you're doing and fighting for down there in Florida, because yeah, Florida's a mess. Uh, and Gary, I looked up the polls on on your your Senate race. I was wrong. I was I was thinking about a poll I saw uh, that was like three weeks ago where Rubio was up by seven. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Florida's in play, and I I should be paying better attention. Well, I always worry about polls, too, because sometimes the people who fund the polls sometimes uh, manage to skew the sampling. Let's put it that way. It's amazing what you can do with data. You can make data. To, I, I, I could slice the same data set away to, to make it look three completely different uh, versions of reality. And then sell that poll three different times to three different campaigns. <laughs> that's hey, a, that's how they do it. <laughs> All with the same poll. Hey, man, that, that's that's capitalism and campaigning right there. Well, that's um, why we believe that we need to get more of our candidates on the show so we can let people actually hear them speak to more than just the average mainstream media person so they can actually hear what the person has to say in an unscripted fashion. Fetterman, uh, yeah. I'm trying to get you on the show. Get your damn best hoodie on and come on the show. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I I'll I'll echo I'll 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 tap my my points of contact at Fetterman after the election. I think he's got to focus on getting PA voters every yeah. moment every moment between now and election day. Uh, but he should come talk to if 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 we are so fortunate that he gets elected to the U.S. Senator for Pennsylvania, absolutely his actions are going to impact Florida. And I'll say he should come on the rotation after he wins. Awesome, I think even awesome. if we if we if we were able to somehow uh, fix Ohio, oh. it would it would help Florida on, on a national basis because <laughs> I mean you, you want to make fun of, of uh, Florida that's fine, I can make fun of Ohio all day long. 
Oh yeah, no, oh no, and, and deservedly so. I part of my being from Cleveland. I I, I typically don't say I'm from Ohio. I say I'm from Cleveland, and um, you know when when I thought about what I want to do with with my adulthood, right? What kind of a civic person I want to be? It's you know I wanted to move home. I wanted to make my city better. Cleveland is worth fighting for, and and if we want, I can swear on this. Is that fine? Yeah, that's that's okay. If we, we want to unfuck America, the fastest way to do so is to unfuck Ohio, and the fastest way to unfuck Ohio is to unfuck Cleveland. So, so I'm trying in my own small way. You know, I'm working locally on a wage theft campaign. I got things are so bad. I became a Democrat. Um, like you know, it's you know now I'm like the secretary for my ward club. Like these kind of things. I hope all your listeners are are. are trying to think about every lever of power that they could uh, influence, right? Because power is going to concede nothing without a demand. And, and it's going to take, you know, it's not a simple flip of a switch. You know, I like to think about like power is this wall of switches and we have to, we have to pull them at varying times and in set frequencies and some we got to only pull half and some we got to push up and, it, it's it's an incredibly complicated moving machine and it takes every part of it and then we'll have a chance to to win right to win whatever winning looks like to us um but yeah no ohio and florida we're in similar boats right i mean you guys got a crazier governor i think we have a crazier legislature um but uh you know, it's we got a long ways to go, but that's that's why it takes you guys talking to people and, and having these candid conversations. I mean, Sherrod is solid, but uh, I know that we, we have to we have to deal with the loss of Portman's uh, seat. Uh, yeah, Portman was, was uh, I would always say a wavering moderate <laughs> when when I knew him when I was living in Cincinnati. By mm-hmm. the way, too much chocolate in your chili will kill you eventually. By the way. <laughs> It's a good tip. Yeah, anyone who comes to Ohio, you'll if, if you don't know what that means, come visit Southern Ohio. You'll know what that means. Chocolate in the chili. Tell me you at least got cornbread to go with it. <laughs> no, no, it's spaghetti, actually. Uh, they're, they're big into the mole sauce, so that's, okay. that's, that's Cincinnati for you. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Justin, as we close out, again, tell the listeners, tell the folks at, uh, at home how they can support the bowl pack and really make a difference in this upcoming election. So, Check out our website, thebullpack.org, on Twitter, the bullpack. Um, look, help throw five or more down, help us pack the bull, help us kick some prohibitionist ass. We want to go after uh, prohibitionist Republicans who are, are running against pro-legalization Democrats so we can send a message that an electoral coalition that includes legalization supporters is unstoppable. And, and the only way we're going to do is we're to communicate with people and get them out to vote um, who, who might not otherwise. So thank you so very much for all you do. I cannot wait to, to, to come on again. I hope I will. Maybe we could talk about this again after the election um, and kind of do a post-game wrap-up. Gary, I always love hearing about you know what it is you're up to down there. And Chris, your, your advocacy and passion has just been an inspiration to me for years since I've been at Normal. And Carlos, Carlos, I, I want to run a, run a line by you real quick before we wrap. But th- thinking about all, all this stuff, back to when we were talking about hemp and everything, I think about Delta 8 and all, all the THC, what have you, as Gary said, as like new Coke, 
right? And we're just <laughs> waiting for full access to Coca-Cola Classic, right? Um, and, and get that that Delta 9. Is, is that a bad characterization? Is that okay? No, I, I love that characterization, actually. I, 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 I hate when people come in here and they're like, this is fake. And I'm like, dude, it's right in front of you. This is totally real. It's just a little different. Yeah. <laughs> I, I dig that, man. <laughs> Well, hey. uh, we're going to have a whole new uh, uh, commissioner of agriculture coming up, and we'll see how our our whole program morphs. If it does, we'll we're, we're get, we'll try to maintain the status quo and uh, and keep things solid for our literally thousands of uh, <clears throat> entrepreneurs who have cannabis shops that, that only can sell hemp products, like oh, like Carlos. Oh, and I apologize. My aunt's trying to call me on Facebook. Let me turn okay. well. Good question again. What does the bowl pack represent as an anagram? Better organizing to win legalization. We got to come together. We got to pull the right levers of power. We got to kick some ass and make politicians afraid. So we're packing the bowl. We're going to hit them where it hurts in the ballot box. That's right. That's right. And, you know, if you want to get more involved, uh, we're having our next general membership meeting for Suncoast Normal. So for all of you out there watching, uh, join us at our next membership meeting. It's uh, September 29th at 7 p.m. It's going to be over Zoom, so you can join wherever you're at. Um, it's open to the public. So, of course, you don't have to necessarily be a member to join. But if you're interested in learning more, go to our website. You can RSVP there and get the link. Or you can uh, check out the link there that we have in the chat and join our next general membership meeting. The most important thing to take, to take away in all of this is get off the couch and do something. You know, we want folks to, you know, if you want to see change happen, you have to be active about it. Uh, so, you know, put down the indica, spark up some sativa, and let's go kick some ass. Yes, the power of salivation is real. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change. You can find The Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.